Good morning, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Troy Farkas Show, a podcast that is not about me, it's about all of us, because the 20s are a crucial time in our lives, and on this show, we navigate the highs and lows of early adulthood together. So excited for today's show for many of reasons. I'm just super excited in life in general right now. I hope you guys, by the way, are all having a wonderful week that you've worked hard, that you've been healthy, that you've done things that you love, that you spent time with loved ones, not with your screens, that you've maybe since you heard last Monday's episode tried to find some ways to get away. I heard from some of you on Instagram. I put out a question, how do you unplug? I got responses from Michaela. Michaela said that by working out. Loved to hear that. Allie, friend of the podcast, said that she liked to unplug when she went on vacations that didn't have any cell service. Yes, that is a personal favorite of mine. So I hope all of you have found some ways to unplug, to get away, to to focus on you and, and self-care, that all that stuff is so important and taking that time away from your screens, that designated time, that intentional time is so important. And I would stress all of you to do it as often as you can. Today's episode, like I said, I'm super excited because I'm going to be joined by Alexis Porter. Many of you know Alexis Porter. If um, you know, if you went to Shen, if you grew up where I'm from, you know about Alexis Porter. Great girl, always has had my deepest respect and admiration. I have had many classes with her over the years back in the old high school days and uh, always admired her from afar, how smart she was, how intelligent she was. She was always just really good to be around, lit up a room, kind of kept to herself a bit, but as you're going to find out in this podcast, she really, when she was at college at McKendry University in Illinois, she really came into her own. She really stepped out of the life that she had created in Clifton Park, the person that she was, and just really started leaning into who she really is. And who she is is an awesome person. And if you don't know her or if you barely know her, you're going to love her by the end of this episode. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. We're going to talk about her wrestling career growing up, being uh, you know, often the only girl in the wrestling room and just in a male-dominated sport. Uh, we're going to talk about her time at McKendry, her time after McKendry at Wyoming, uh, her time living in Colorado now, her Olympic dream. I think for all of us who have known her for so long, that was always the thing that she wanted more than anything. We all could say that Alexis Porter was going to be in the Olympics one day, and how cool would that be because we knew her. We're going to talk about her Olympic dream today and where it stands. We're going to talk about um, the last year, the events of the last year. We are coming up very quickly here on the one-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Um, we're going to talk about progress made since that moment, if there has been progress made, and we're going to talk about some of Lexus's own personal experiences as a black woman in this country, things that I will never understand, things that I will never um, be able to relate to, but it is a super important conversation to have, so Alexis and I are going to talk about those things as well. It's going to be a wide-ranging conversation. I, I can't wait for all of you to hear it. But first, just another thing that I have to tell you guys. I was, as I mentioned on um, some episodes a few weeks ago, that you have to be willing to try new things. When you're young, you need to be able to identify things that are coming because you want to be on the front lines of trends and change and where there's smoke, there's fire. And I've talked a little bit about NFTs and crypto over the past few weeks. I've thrown it out a couple of times. I am all in on it right now. I have purchased a good amount of Ethereum that is already appreciated in value. I'm talking to you right now on Wednesday, 
for Thursday's episode. There's a big NFT project out there right now that I am really almost like after this recording may or may not drop a decent amount of money on some NFTs that would uh, maybe appreciate in value over time. So it's if you guys don't know about the NFT craze, I would highly suggest do your research, get in now while it's still young and while there's still a lot of question marks because now is the time to get in before this really blows up because this is the future. This is the future. This is social currency. This is in in a couple years. You know how when you meet someone, you meet a girl, you meet a guy, you have a good interaction or whatever out at the bar and then the next day you look them up on Instagram and you scroll through their profile and you see, oh, they went there to college. Oh, they live there. Oh, they like doing these things. Okay, that's cool. You find things out about that person um, by looking at their Instagram profile or, or their social media. In a few years, you will be able to look at someone's ledger, their public profile, what they purchased in the NFT space to then be able to make connections with them that way. So I can say, oh my gosh, this girl, she bought a Halsey concert ticket in Saratoga three years ago. Wait, I was at that concert too. Oh my God. Now I can reach out to you because we have this thing in common that I was able to see on your public ledger, something that you bought with cryptocurrency that is now in your digital wallet. So this is a real thing. If you don't know about it, I suggest you get on the train and just learn about it. There's a bunch of articles and podcasts and blogs out there that can inform you. I'm all in on it. If you want to talk about it with me, slide into the DMs. I'm so here for it. So that's my little rant on crypto. I suggest you get into it. Let's talk to Alexis Porter. Again, an amazing woman. You will be inspired by this conversation. You will be moved to happiness, to tears. We'll talk about a bunch of things. And if you want to check out some clips from this, this is over on the Troy Farkas YouTube channel. And I just ask if you like this episode, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. All right, that's enough for me. Here's me and Alexis Porter. Enjoy. AP, you are a stud. You were the, I believe, alongside Matt Hardy, the Shenandoah class of 2014, voted most athletic. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, that is certainly true. So AP, so much, so much to talk to you about. Super excited to see you. It's been a while. AP, thank you for joining me. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. 100%. I'm actually mad stoked about it because it's been forever and I love catching up with old friends. It's been forever. I have always, always admired you, always respected you from afar. The thing that, I mean, always struck me about you is that I just knew you as a classmate. You know, you were next to me in psychology. We share all these classes with each other. And so I just always knew you as an intellect. You are very smart. You're very personal, very nice, very fun to be around. But I always also knew this other side of you, that you were an athlete. Mm. I would have been able to tell you, if someone asked me in 10th grade, who is Alexis Porter? I would have said, oh, she's this and this and this, and she can kick yeah. my ass. She's a really good wrestler. <laughs> but I wouldn't have been able to tell you much more than that. Mm -hmm. Did you right. kind of keep that side of you on the DL? Um, I don't know that I kept it on the DL so much as that. I don't know. I was like, I guess I think... I personally feel like I blossomed in college. So like, like you said, I was very personal, very friendly, but I also wasn't somebody who was like very outgoing in high school. So I kept a very small group of people and like what I did wrestling in school, like that was my whole life. I had virtually no social life. When there were parties, I was not there because I was, I was literally, I went to school, I went to practice and I went home any weekend I had free. I was wrestling, 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 wrestling since I was 10. So it's something that I did. And it was like a really huge part of my nature. But 
I don't know. It's like, it's hard because so few people did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, as well as I did that wrestling wasn't like the main sport at Shen. Like, even though our team was really good, like it's not a sport that people pay attention to. It's very niche. And yeah, I think people are like, oh, well, there's a girl on the team. Oh, that's cool. But like, no one really questions further than that. So, yeah. What was that like? For I mean, this is something that you've faced your entire life, but being the girl on the Shen wrestling team. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> I have a lot of funny stories about that. Uh, I'll tell you I'll tell you one that like I always like kind of cherish now because it's something that shaped me as a person. Uh, I started wrestling for Shen when I was in the seventh grade and I was the first girl to make varsity ever that never had a girl make varsity before I wrestled at 96 when I was a seventh and eighth grader, which was crazy. Now, like looking at myself now, like how I was that small, a little string bean. And my first year on the team as a seventh grade, I mean, I was, I was coming from the middle school, busing over, having somebody pick me up and walking over to the high school. And as you know, like middle school got out later than the high school. So like they would already be starting practice and I'd be like hustling over 30 minutes late to practice from the middle school. And I did not want to be there. I did not want to do it. I was so scared to make that leap from like modified to high school. You know what I'm saying? It seemed like a very large reach. And I was really nervous, even though I was good enough to be there. I just, I wasn't confident in myself yet. And all, it's so funny because now I look at like high schoolers as children. But when I was in middle school, I, they literally looked college age to me. (laughs) I was so convinced everyone was a grown ass man. I was so scared to be in that room, like the seniors getting ready to go off to college. And I was a little seventh grader in there. I was so scared. And I would actually, I'd go into the locker room and I would take as slow. I would take my slow ass time. I would go as slow as humanly possible to kill time in practice. Mind you, I was already 30 minutes late, like hustling over there. And I'd stay in the locker room because I just didn't want to go out there. I was so nervous. And uh, after like a couple, after probably like two weeks, the coaches started picking up on it and catching on. Like there's, (laughs) I wasn't the only middle schooler coming over there. It's like, how come so-and-so and and -and so-and-so are getting in the room before Alexis? What's taking her so long? And one of the coaches goes, Alexis, you got a boyfriend in there? What's taking you so long? And I was like, no, I mean, there's just a lot to do. I don't know. My headgear, (laughs) just making up stuff. And eventually I got over it and I had this one coach on the team. I won't mention names. It's funny. Like, seeing the transition truthfully, but he was not very kind to me. I could tell he didn't really want me to be there. Didn't respect me. Didn't think so. Didn't think I was serious. I had a girl tryout before and I don't know if she was there for the right reasons, but I was so shy and he literally didn't take the time to learn my name. And he just called me the girl, like for an entire year, my first year of wrestling, he just called me the girl. And he, I definitely think he tried his hardest to make me quit. Um, I didn't quit. I came back the next year as an eighth grader with more confidence, um, more skill. And the first time he tried to say it to me, he goes, yeah, the girl, this, that, that, that. I said, the girl has her name and her name's Alexis. Let's go. And, <laughs> and that was like, I say like, if I was a superhero, that was the beginning of my real like origin story, like transforming into the woman I was today. Like I, I grew into my own. I gained confidence. And I was like, no, I worked hard. I deserve to be here. And this is where I'm going to be. You're going to see me every year. And it's funny because he turned into my biggest supporter. Like a year later, he was my biggest supporter. Wow. And now he like, he's been super nice. And he definitely, he, he I earned his respect is what I would say. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. So you're obviously, you know, a very motivated, inspired person. Uh, I'm curious to know, cause as far as I've known you, I, you know, I would have been able to say Alexis Porter, 
great wrestler, going to be in the Olympics one day. When did that dream of yours, that Olympic dream, when did you first have that? I started wrestling when I was 10. Um, my dad wrestled actually, and he competed in two Olympic trials and he was a very, really like accomplished wrestler. Um, it was never like even a thought that I would wrestle. It was always like, oh, well, Jesse will wrestle one day, my younger brother, Jesse. And he started wrestling when he was nine. And my dad built this little basement and uh, like this little wrestling room in our basement for us, which was so cute. And we were so blessed to have, and he didn't have a partner when he came home. So I would go to practice with him. I'd sit on the sidelines and watch just cause like, what else do I have to do? You know, I was 10 <laughs> and I would come home and my dad would use me as like a drilling partner for my brother. And he would, he would do his moves on me and stuff. And I just started learning without like trying and picking up the moves. And he's like, you know what? She's learning. Let's just throw her in a tournament and see how she does. And I stuck with it ever since. And I'd say that dream probably started when I watched the 2008 Olympics. And that was actually the second Olympics ever that women were in for wrestling. So women's wrestling is still a relatively new sport. Men's wrestling has been contested at every single Olympic game since the beginning. Right. So like when you think Athens, Greece, the first Olympics, wrestling was there, right. you know, uh, and women's wrestling didn't actually have a spot in the Olympics till 2004. So I watched the 2008 Olympics. And I don't remember how old I was. Can't do math. Still, we were in still, sixth a, week, grade still a weakness. Sixth, okay. Grade. Thank you. There we go. So that's when it started. I saw that and I was like, I want to be there. I want to get there. That's what I want to do. And yeah, ever since then, like, I think in middle school, I used to have like my whole laptop background. I had already picked the school that I wanted to go to. And it was called, it was NMU, right? Northern Michigan University, which is the Olympic Education Center for um, Greco-Roman wrestling. It's actually my brother's alma mater. It's where he ended up going. And I had this whole vision that like, and at the time they had a women's program, ended up getting dropped before I graduated high school. So I was like, this was my dream. That's where I was going to go. Me and Jesse were going to go to school together and he ended up going and I had to find somewhere new, but that's, that was the dream since I was probably 12. <laughs> so yeah. that, that somewhere new that you ended up going was McKendry university in, in, yes. uh, in Illinois, which at the time that you went there was pretty much just a startup startup. Yep. Yep. Your, your first year there was their second year having a women's program come to find out now they're a national powerhouse winning championships yep. left and right. The program yeah. that you built, how would you describe your time at McKendry? Oh my God. I have very thought, uh, fond memories of McKendry. It was interesting. Cause like, I really took like a huge leap of faith, even like deciding to sign there. And at the time as a senior, I was like the number one recruit out of high school. And I had all these different college colleges lining up to like try and get me. And at the time, the number one school was King wrestling, still very, very tough school. They're probably like top three. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm the best. I want to go to the best school. You know, they had won the past four national championships. I was like, I want to go there. Uh, I start um, looking into the school a little bit more. I'm like, I don't think the culture vibe fits me. And I, something really like, something really resonated with me to like help build something. So like I reflected back on my time at Shannon, like even though there's not like a full women's team or something, like my sister came after me and she wrestled for Shen. And I think about how I kind of like paved the way and laid the groundwork for her. And I wanted the opportunity to kind of do that again for some other girls. So I, you know, I had a really, really good feeling about the coach. Like I, I vibed with him off rip and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. And instead of going somewhere where there's already established greatness, let me help, let me help be great there. Let me like, see if I can help build something with them. And I'm so glad I did because 
the culture was always really, really healthy. It was a family and I learned a lot there and I'm really glad that I chose that school at the end of the day. Wow. Major props to you for being able to do that because I don't think many people would have done what you would yeah. have done. They would have gone where people are yeah. you know, becoming pros afterwards or they're going to the Olympics afterwards because name brand means a lot. You chose to go to 100% that had zero name brand. So I, I, uh, I commend you for that. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy decision, but I'm glad I did. And like, I mean, like if you build it, they will come. Like I yeah. went there and then we started getting hammers and year over year, our program was stronger than the year before. And it was, it's actually really incredible to like see the growth and uh, how much it's, it's, it's like exploded since my time there. Yeah. Also, when I signed my senior year of high school, there was only 30, I want to say 35 total women's programs right so like I wanted to stay close to home like I was thinking like maybe three to four hours away like I could come home on the weekends but I have my space for my parents and there was nothing on the east coast and I was like I'm gonna have to go far from home and 16 hours is where I ended up which was really hard that's a different struggle in itself but um I'm, I'm glad I picked that school it actually turned out to be the perfect fit for me so very happy for you you mentioned earlier that um you know, you kind of leaned into more who you were in college at McKendree. You kind of developed and blossomed into the person that you are now. Why did you, why did you become the Alexis Porter that we know now then? What, what happened to you to kind of flip that switch to make that change? I would say one education, like um, expanding and taking the time to learn things about myself and things that I'm passionate about, like discovering what I really was passionate about. And I'm definitely passionate about activism and a lot of different things like that. And then finding and building really great friendships too, I think was the biggest part. And like, I'm going to say diversity also, like (laughs) Shen's an extremely, like it's a predominantly white school. And I, the way I viewed race was so different in high school versus, versus my perspective of it now. And like the things I experienced there, totally different. And like, I guess I just, I didn't have the same opportunities to like expand my friend group as I did in college and the friendships I built there. Like I still have friends now from college that I, I love to death and actually a bridesmaid for one of my college friends now coming up. And yeah, I don't know if I answered it, but that's probably it. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that you brought that up because let's call what it is. You are one of very few black people that, that grew yeah. up in, uh, in Clifton Park. Uh, and so I'm glad that you were able to kind of, I, I guess, like fi- find the right people in college and expand yeah. your horizons that way. Um, when did you exactly become so passionate about activism? Again, kind of like what flipped that switch? I think, honestly, experiencing the racism firsthand. So like I was very blessed. Like I love that I grew up in Clifton Park and Shen was an incredible school system. So like, I was very blessed that way. And it definitely prepared me for college. We talk about cult lit all the time. Like those courses were hard and I'm glad I took them because when I got to college, I realized they prepared me to do the coursework that I had to do. Literally undergrad. I will say that I'm in master's yeah. now. And that is no joke. That's the real deal. But like undergrad, I feel like there's a lot of places that other students I saw struggled and people who came from like different school districts from around the country that weren't nearly as robust as Shen. And I was like, I was so lucky, but um, yeah. I, I what was the question? I'm sorry. I always get off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, activism. How, what inspired you to, to really get behind it? Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, 
experiencing it firsthand. Like now I've had too many microaggressions to count um, and seeing, being in Illinois, yes. Um, where I was, it's Southern Illinois. So it's like 30 minutes North of St. Louis, Missouri. It's like the bottom tip of Illinois. It was kind of a very small ho-dunk kind of town. Um, little more conservative and actually I'll use, I'll just use this one example so you kind of get a sense. I, um, I went through, I'm not gonna say it's a phase cause I still wear them, but I went through this phase where I was like obsessed with head wraps. They're like African head wraps, like yeah. scarves and you wear them on your head and they're really cute and they have different colors and stuff. And I was like, well, first it's cute. Second of all, I don't have to do my hair if I wear them. So it was just a win-win. So I went through a period <laughs> of time where I was like only exclusively wearing head wraps and I was driving like probably 10 minutes off campus, getting a drink or something, probably going to Starbucks, whatever. And I pulled up at a red light. A car pulls up next to me and rolls down his window. And the man <laughs> yells out the window, go back to your country, you Muslim bitch. Excuse my language. I don't know if that's allowed on that's this fine. podcast. But and I was in I was literally my mouth dropped open. I was in shock. The green light went and he, he peeled off like so fast. I didn't get a chance to respond. Nothing. And I like I pulled over. I cried and I sat there and I was like so mad, just like shaking that I didn't get a response, that I didn't get to do anything. And I was sitting there like, first of all, you ignorant swine. This is not a hijab which if it was the Islamophobia, I was, I was shunned. Like my best friend, Sarah, you, who, you know, Sarah Nasser is Muslim. And I was like, uh, first of all, it was racist. It was Islamophobic. It was a whole number of things. And yeah, that was something that shook me. And then also like, I would educate a lot of my peers at college too about head wraps and stuff. Cause I got that question a lot. Like, was it a religious guard? Blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, it's just for style. Like African women wear these all the time. Like, I just think they're cute and I don't have to do my hair. But um, I guess that was one moment that really kind of triggered me. And the more I began to pay attention to my surroundings, the more passionately I felt about it. And the more research I started doing, the more I tried to get involved. And I can say, honestly, like this past year has been horrible, but also illuminating in a positive way, because I think finally people are starting to see the kind of injustices that that black people have been seeing for generations and also experiencing so it's kind of there's a duality there for sure but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm uh i'm so sorry that 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 occurrence happened <laughs> to you and i'm sure you know similar things like yeah. that as well it just like goes to show how ignorant people are um yeah. you know we are coming up on the one year anniversary of the murder of george floyd um, how do you think that we today mm -hmm. have improved if, if at all, since then, since May, late May last year? I'd say awareness and allyship. I've found that like, um, the majority of my life, I've kind of been an ambassador, whether that was for women's wrestling or for black communities in general. And I feel like, um, now I, it's it's it, while it's unfortunate and it's sad that it took such a horrific event for people to like kind of open their eyes, snap into it, and see what's happening. I'm I'm glad I'm not glad it happened. Oh my god, no! But if anything good did come out of it, I think it's the awareness. So like we've gone through periods of time. I mean, in Denver, there was months and months and months of protests, and I actually had the 
pleasure of actually volunteering and, and partaking in two, one in Aurora um, for Elijah McLean. And I actually got my spot, one of my sponsors for wrestling, Kodiak Cakes. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they yeah. are. Uh, oh, yeah. I, lo- I love them. They're Protein pancakes, pancakes I lo- baby. <laughs> exactly. I love, I love pancakes. And they feel like, they make me feel like I'm not cheating on my diet and stuff. But uh, I actually got them to sponsor that protest. And they sent me a shipment of like, like 70, like seven boxes of like snacks and stuff. And I set up a table and I passed out snacks for like all of the protesters who were walking during the day and like water and everything. And they actually like really amplified my voice on their social media account. I wrote a blog for them and yeah. So I was glad that I got to be involved in that, but I think there's still obviously a lot of work to be done. Um, I think even like just the changeover in our political leaders has has brought a lot of that to light. The insurrection at the Capitol, like it's crazy to believe that people today in 2021 still think this way. But that just goes to show how much work there has to be done, because the scars that were created from 400 years ago, they've never healed. They've just been covered up. And yeah, yeah, that's how that happens. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like you said, you, you don't want change to happen because of the reasons that they do. George Floyd's murder, the pandemic aside, you know, obviously yeah. a horrible way to come to certain realizations about how we need to live our lives. I, you know, there's certain tragedies that have happened in my life that you don't want to happen, but they do teach you things. So you don't want those to happen completely in vain or whatever. You want something good to happen out of that. So I think something good is happening out of here. And on the point of just your growth in college, I feel the same way from, from the other side, I grew up in a you know, we grew up in a very whitewashed place, wasn't exposed to too many. Listen, for example, like you can probably count on two yeah. hands the number of black kids in our grade. And we literally had 750 <laughs> kids in our graduating class, something like that. Yeah. And it's just that, like, I just never talked to them. Everyone just kind of yeah. stayed in their, own, in their own bubbles, in their own lanes. And so when I got to college at UAlbany, which was a much more diverse school, I was in for a rude awakening. My sophomore year, I lived with three uh, three black kids from the city. And it was a mm. whole different ballgame. There you go. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. I was completely just exposed to new, new things. And you, you're just, your worldview expands. I think yes. what, what's best about college is that it's really not so much that you learn so much in the classroom. I can't really tell you that much that I learned in the classroom aside yeah. from one, you know, or, or like uh, Lincoln's Gettysburg address. I can say but everything else it's just completely just like becoming an adult, becoming a citizen yes. of the world and just mm-hmm. putting yourself in other people's shoes. Cause I never had before on you all campus every day, there was some type of protest or some cause being uh campaign for that. I had never even thought about before because it never mm-hmm. affected me. Exactly. And that's, that's such a beautiful thing about college. I agree completely. Troy. That's, I think that's probably the best thing about it too. Like academically, yeah, for sure. Enrich yourself. But like those experiences you get outside of the classroom, that's what shapes you as a person. Amen. Uh, yeah. So let's let's stay in your, your college days. So you graduate from McKendry and then where do you go? I graduated in 2019 with a degree in professional writing and rhetoric, which is like a big mouthful to say, I love writing. <laughs> and um, I went back home enjoyed my summer. And then I up and moved to Wyoming of all places, which I think it's funny how I ended up there because yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, (laughs) I feel like it's kind of like one of the 50 states that's forgotten about. Like if people were to list the states, they are always leaving off Wyoming and I don't blame them. It's actually the least, I found this out once I moved there, it's the least populated state in the country. There is more, um, 
bison, then there is humans. Mm. So if that kind of frames your view of the state, you'd be correct to make the assumption off of that because there, it really is like, but um, I ended up moving there and I joined the Wyoming wrestling RTC, which is based out of the university of Wyoming, which is like their one major university is super awesome. And they don't have any uh, professional sports teams. So like, People ride hard for the brand. That's their saying. The Cowboys are very, there's a lot of love for the Cowboys there. And um, I was looking for just a change of scenery, somewhere new to like kind of kickstart my wrestling career again. It wasn't so much that I had like plateaued. It just felt like I needed a different challenge, a different push. And I thought back to my times at Shen, like how hard wrestling in that room was. Like every day was a struggle. A lot of times I got my ass beat, but it shaped me and it turned me into an amazing wrestler. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to go back to that. You know what I'm saying? I think I got comfortable wrestling in a women's program. And even though it was challenging, it was challenging in different ways. So I, I looked for an RTC and I was like, you know what? I want to try and I want to go there. And I talked to the coach and he's, I was like, would you be willing or how do you feel about adding a woman to a woman to your roster? Is that something you're open to? And he was, hundred percent on board was really excited that I'd even thought and considered of them because uh, the university of Wyoming has a really good uh, men's team, but they're like not in the top like 10 or anything. So sometimes they're overlooked and yeah, I ended up moving out there and is again, further than 16 hours. So like I was 16 hours in McKendree for Illinois. And then I was like 26 hours from, for Wyoming. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just I'm on the other side of the country now. It is what it is. Yeah. All right. So at Wyoming, you still have this vision of, I want to get to the Olympics. That yep. is the dream. That is why you are doing all of this. Absolutely. How did it, how did it shape out there? I would say it was extremely challenging. The men's team. Oh my God. I, I can't even explain the beating I took when I first got there. I was like, there's practices where I wouldn't score a takedown. And I would just go into the locker room, sit there, put my head in my hand. <sighs> and I was so, I was so isolated. I was kind of living, um, I was living COVID life before COVID <laughs> because I had so, I was so many friends. I had so many friends at McKendry and like seeing people every day. And I was very popular, whatever, whatever. And then I moved and no one, no one talks about this. No one prepares you for this. Cause I had no idea that's what like post-college life was going to be like. If yep. you choose to leave the state, you went to college in grassroots, nothing, just starting from scratch completely. Like I was, I was not prepared for that. I had a, I had my own little apartment and one housemate, um, Branson, who was a super nice dude. He was on the wrestling team. He was in the RTC program with me and I knew nobody. I had no friends and I was used to seeing my, I was used to living with my friends every day. And right. then I went to seeing nobody. I, there was days where I would talk. The only interaction, social interaction I got was at practice. So like I would start looking forward to practice because I knew that's when I was going to speak to people. So there'd be like these eight, eight, 10 hour blocks where I didn't utter a word. I like forgot the sound of my own voice. And like, for me, I'm a super social creature. It started to wear on me. Like I was working extremely hard, busting my ass every day. Um, I was eating right. I was lifting. I had everything like that a ideal wrestler would want going for me, except for that social interaction. And it started to wear on me and I got a little depressed. I'm not going to lie. And like, I struggled mentally being out there by myself. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why, like, 
I ended up have I ended up moving from there. I spent about a year there and I got great training. I definitely improved as a wrestler. So I appreciate I'm super thankful for them because um, I mean, it was kind of like a godsend to move out there. And it definitely helped me grow too. like we talk about like transitioning from a child to an adult living on your own. That'll do it for you. <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Um. All right. So I kind of want to stay in that, in that year, Wyoming, because I, I experienced this as well. And for anyone out there listening who, um, you know, has experienced this or is in college right now and will experience this, it gets real, real quick, because like you said, whether, you know, you move away from the state that you went to college or you move away from the state where you grew up and you know, nobody, I experienced this when I moved out to Connecticut and I was working <sighs> BS hours overnights. Don't know anybody. No! rural farm town Connecticut uh you know there are more people than bison in Connecticut but uh, uh it was a rough it was a rough existence and for a year 18 months just yep. depressed in a bad place trying to trying to get yourself out of it but it's hard mm-hmm. when, when you're actually depressed and I was never clinically depressed just self-diagnosed depressed when yeah. you're actually <laughs> in that state you know what you need to do to get out of it but it's so hard to get yourself to do it you know what I'm saying Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think too, a lot of like my pride and my stubbornness, like I am not, I don't like asking for help. I don't feel, I don't like feeling like I need other people to like accomplish my goals and things like that. Especially as an athlete, because as an athlete, I mean, it's even worse for athletes. There's a certain stigma among depression and mental health issues for athletes. It's because like you are the tough people. You are the ones that are supposed to get get through anything. You know, you can go get treatment for your hurt knee but not necessarily your hurt brain, right? And, exactly. and you, are, you are seen as weak by your yeah. teammates, by your coaches, if you can't deal with it. Yeah, and there's, and I've been thinking about it, like there's not really like a lot of resources for the mental health of athletes. And like, it's, and if you reach like the pinnacle of your sport and like you're competing at an elite level, like I was, like it is so mentally taxing and emotionally draining. Like one, I'm beating down my body every day, like, but I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm eating right. I'm lifting. I'm, I'm uh, doing my active recovery. Like all those things that go into like being a good athlete I'm doing, but like on the self-care side, I was neglecting myself and that I didn't think like I was somebody who needed like social interaction to thrive, but like that, that kind of extreme isolation definitely wore me down to the point where I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And yeah, it was, it was really tough to like keep going through it. I mean, cause like that, that was my dream to make the Olympic team and you sacrifice everything for that dream. Yeah. All right. So then after you leave Wyoming, you go to Colorado. When was this exactly? I just want to frame it. Yeah. It, it was really weird. Cause like, it wasn't something that I had thought out ahead of time. It's not something I planned. It was kind of something that developed over the circumstances of society. So, um, the pandemic hits in March. I'm training like full-time gearing up, ramping up for like Olympic trials. Right. And um, I was actually training in Canada at the time with one of my good friends. And I came back, I came back early from that trip because they were closing the borders. And I just, I came back to Colorado with my boyfriend. I was like, okay, well, um, pretty much everything's suspended at Wyoming. Like classes are, are canceled. Like everyone's home. Um, there's no practices. Like, okay, there's no reason for me to be there alone. <laughs> so I, I just came and stayed with my boyfriend for what I thought was going to be a month. <laughs> oh, didn't we all? Back, <laughs> now I think about it, it's, it's actually comical. And like, this is definitely an SNL skit. But 
like thinking that the pandemic was going to be done in a month. And then like, as it encroached on May, I was like two months tops. We out, you know, like, so yeah, one month turned into two and then two turned into six and seven. And when the, like, I want to say like fifth month or sixth month rolled around, I had a cut, I had adjusted to an entirely different lifestyle. And I think that was around, it's right after, it's probably like in December, January is when I realized if I was gonna keep wrestling, I needed to go back. But I was struggling internally with the decision so much because I had my significant other, my boyfriend of four years, I'm living with him now currently in Colorado Springs. And I was so much happier, like night and day difference. When I tell you like my emotional state, my mental state, I, w- I just felt healthier living here with him and, and having that person to lean on. And I was like, I can't imagine myself going back. And like every time I would, it would come up and I was like, the, the date was like rolling closer and closer. And I would have these panic attacks, like just thinking that I had to go back. And my boyfriend would tell me, cause was like, Alexis, like, it's not healthy that you're tormenting yourself this way. And like, I know you feel like the whole world's on top of you and everyone expects you to wrestle. Everyone wants you to wrestle your parents. You've been wrestling your whole life. Like it's, it's pretty much the only thing people know me for, you don't have to do it. Honestly, I feel like you'd be happier if you just stopped. And I was like, I'm not going to quit, blah, 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 blah. And um, I finally like sat down, had some time with myself. And I was really proud of myself though, for making this decision because it's one that I had, I had felt like I had debated for probably the past two, two years, but just fought through, fought through silently (laughs) in pain hating what I was doing, trying to please everybody but myself. Like I just felt guilty like to quit when I was so far into it, when I put so much time in my parents had had sacrificed everything for me, my coaches, my sponsors. Like I just felt like I owed it to everybody to keep doing it, even though it didn't make me happy. It didn't make me fulfilled. And it was kind of killing me (laughs) on the inside in a manner of speaking. Um, And yeah, I think I decided in in February, February is when I made that decision that I wasn't going to, to wrestle anymore, at least for right now. Like I wasn't going to complete the quad, which I had been training for like a a year in a pandemic. It changes you in a lot of different ways. And I getting a little bit like a taste of that lifestyle that I wanted to live. I was like, I can't go back. (laughs) I don't want to go back. So yeah, that's how that kind of came to be. Major props to you for making that decision. Because like you said, this is what everyone has associated you with before everyone would be able to say, Oh, Alexis Porter, she's going to make the Olympics one day. And uh, so props to you for realizing that you need to stop living for others and start living for yourself. So I uh, I respect, I respect you. And I think everyone listening can, can take a lesson uh, away from that. Now, as an athlete, you were obviously very motivated, inspired, goal-driven. You've been getting trophies your whole life, winning awards, national recognition, And this was the one goal that you fell short of. How does that sit with you? Um, it's tough because it's like a double-edged sword. I I feel content with my decision. I feel like I made the right decision. I was proud of myself for finally coming to it after like wrestling, literally, no pun intended, wrestling with it for two to three years. Um, but it does make me sad that I couldn't attain that goal. But the thing is, my my motivation changed to like. I would say when I was growing up, like ages 10 through probably 
and I wrestled in the Olympic team trials when in 2016. So I competed in that. I took fifth in the 2016 Olympic trials and I was 19 and I was very young and I was so motivated, so driven, so hungry. And I devastated that when I lost and to make the team, I was like, well, 2020 is going to be my year. Like I'll be 24. I'll be in the, the peak prime of my, my, my wrestling career. This is, that will be my time. Like that'll be my time. And it's crazy how much can change in four years. And in four years, my, my passion changed. Like, it's not something that fulfills me anymore. It's not something that I love to do. And wrestling is one of those sports that is just so hard. If you don't love it, it's almost impossible to do. I promise you, you have to love, you have to love that sport to even be able to compete in it. It's a brutal, it's it's a brutal lifestyle. It's a beat down every day. <laughs> it's so hard. But I'm I look back on my career and I'm I'm so thankful I did it for as long as I did because it shaped me as a person. And even though like I'm I'm not wrestling right now currently, and you know, people like obviously recognize me as a wrestler, like and part of that will stay with me the rest of my life. Those skills I learn, the the grit and you know, the work ethic, all those things I take with me into every aspect of my life. Like I've been on so many teams like I've learned to work with people just from being on wrestling teams but I I have different passions now and you know what that's that's okay (laughs) well uh I'm proud of you AP we are all proud of you 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 are you are much more than an athlete and uh you mentioned your passions no longer wrestling what are your passions now what does fulfill you I love writing. I really enjoy marketing. That's actually where I kind of want to work in that space later. I'm actually in my master's program right now. I'm doing uh, marketing communication management. So I would love to work in content marketing when I graduate and stuff like that. I love Marvel, have loved Marvel my entire life. That's like, the, I would say there's two things that people always knew me for. It was wrestling and Captain America. I was like obsessed from 10 USA, red, white, and blue. My shoes were red, white, and blue. All my clothes, my backpack was. And so naturally it just made sense that Captain America would be my favorite superhero. My headgear actually was customized. It was the Captain America shield. And like everybody knew I had these Captain America Crocs. Like I've had people identify me in the bathroom stall because they saw my Crocs. Like AP, is that you? And I was like, yes, it's so-and-so. I saw your Crocs. And I was like, I knew it was you. Oh my God. <laughs> So that's something I'm passionate about. And it's mostly because like, I just feel like he embodies the person that I strive to be. So, yeah. Well, uh, Marvel owned by Disney. I, yep. I don't work for Disney anymore. I just left Disney, but uh, I know plenty of people <laughs> there. So I can uh, maybe, maybe hook you up with, with something. Uh, well, shoot, we got a network then. <laughs> hell yeah. Got you, girl. Okay. So this is awesome. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about Colorado, which I found out a couple of weeks ago um, yep. that we were both in the same place at the same time. What do you love most about Colorado? I think the sunshine. Like So nice. It's weird. The weather is so bipolar. I've <laughs> yeah. never lived in a place like it. Like New York is so consistent with the seasons. You know what's coming. Winter, spring, everything is like so blocked out. But you get everything all year round in Colorado. Like it literally, it snowed yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Yep. yep. <laughs> and then it was hail. Um, like there's ha- just random hail storms sometimes. Random, time. random weather. But I like that there's like sunshine almost always through the clouds, but it's not like overbearingly hot, which I can't deal with. I I kind of just melt. I hate the heat and I love skiing. So that worked out nice too. (laughs) Okay. So I want to get your advice here as uh, you know, a woman I respect. So I'm here, not permanently kind of a short Mm -hmm. deal, a three month trial seeing if I want to stay here long-term. 
The plan right. was at the beginning of 2021, all right, I'm quitting ESPN. I'm leaving Connecticut. I'm spending a month in Boston. And then I'm going out to Colorado for three months. And then I'm going back to probably Boston or like Boston adjacent. Cause that's where mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of, a lot of my friends are shout out to Ben Simpson uh, that I want to <laughs> be, that I want to be close by. But then I came out here and it's just an awesome place to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm debating about okay. should I stay here long-term or should I go back and be with friends because basically what it comes down to is there's like 20 things about Colorado and Denver mm-hmm. that I love more than Boston and the Northeast, but there's mm. people that I care about most. So that's kind of where I'm at. Have you fallen in love with the state yet? I'll ask you that. I know you haven't been here long. Yeah, no, I definitely love the state. I love the people. I don't, I don't love Denver. I'm not in mm-hmm. love with Denver, but I think it's kind of the hotbed. You know, if I want to like build a social life or something here, I for sure you maybe okay do a year or two in Denver. Then if you like get a partner or friend groups, then you, you maybe move out to Fort Collins or or Boulder or whatever. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Oh, that's that's tough because obviously I think I've lived like both parallels of that. So you. You already heard how I explained my experience in Wyoming, where I started over from nothing and had no one and how that like affected me mentally. Um, I I feel like this is what I'll say. I mean, friends can move here. <laughs> so I'm seeing more people move here. Like, yeah. if, I think if you have a really solid friend group and you all start to kind of like coordinate everyone just kind of up and moves to the same place. And somehow, even if you don't plan it, you end up in the same place. Yeah. And I love, I love the Northeast. Like that's East coast, yep. beast coast is where it's at. Damn but right. Colorado, like I love the progressiveness of this state too, is what I was thinking. And like, even though New York's a super progressive state where we grew up is actually more of like a conservative lean, yeah. which I think is funny always. But um, I don't know. I just feel like people are so open-minded here and yeah. it's, very like free flowing and I love nature and like the outdoors. Like if you're a person who loves the outdoors and cherishes that, yeah, Colorado is obviously the place to be, but also maybe not Denver though. I don't like the city. Truthfully. I'm not a city person. Yeah, There's a yeah. lot of like really nice niche, like towns in Colorado that maybe would be suitable for you. <laughs> there are. Yeah. I, uh, I'm just kind of doing Denver right now just because again, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like the center of all for the sure. action. So like I would ideally want to meet a bunch of people here make friends and then maybe we, yeah, or, or whatever. So that's kind of where I'm at. But what you did say about it being just like a more open-minded place, I've had more interactions, made more potential friendships with non-work people. Because in Connecticut, all mm-hmm. of my friendships were just with work people. I didn't meet mm-hmm. a single person outside of work. Really? People were just super in their yeah. ways in, in Northeast. Tight, straight. Yeah. Exactly. But here, it's just like, I'm getting conversations left and right with people yes. I've never met. And I'm getting phone numbers with people after five minute conversations never have that's awesome i'm gonna have to take a lesson from you for meeting friends because i sometimes i like i lean too far on the introverted side i'm just like so lazy when it comes to social interactions my meter has definitely dwindled after covid but that is awesome the people are so friendly here. that's that's something i noticed for sure yeah well we will uh we'll we'll get together soon for sure yes Uh, i did want to get you uh ask a couple more questions so there's this thing that we do on the show every week. It's called the All Natural Initiative, where basically, um, you know, our guest comes on, talks about a cause that is important to him, him or her, and then our show turns around and donates to it. So I want to ask you, Alexis, uh, what is the, the cause that you've chosen and why? First of all, that is awesome. And I love that you do that. I think that's, that's so nice. Um, 
I'm going to say BWA. I mentioned, I think I mentioned a little bit in the beginning that I'm a board member for the Black Wrestling Association. So it's a nonprofit organization that basically specializes in uh, inspiring, connecting and empowering um, the future of our sport. So like young black kids who, I mean, wrestling's traditionally not a black sport, you know, football, basketball, it's like kind of like a instant pipeline, you know what I'm saying? But there's been a lot of barriers for, I'd say, minorities and people of color to get into the sport of wrestling. And because it's not something that's like really mainstream, people don't realize it's something they can do. So right. it's kind of the mission is just like growing the sport and opportunities for um, black people to get involved. Thank you yeah. for uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing that. That sounds like a great cause. We'll put some info in it. Uh, about it on the show notes of this episode. Last question, selfishly, the listeners aren't going to care, but I want to ask you. So I work on uh, like a lot of UFC coverage. I work on UFC mm-hmm. podcast, MMA. There's a lot of, so cool. there's a lot of wrestlers, men and women yeah. that have made the transition from wrestling over to MMA. Uh, I think Kayla Harrison recently did. I believe she's like a yeah, US judo, judo. Uh, yep. Ronda Rousey did judo and she's, you know, one of the most famous MMA athletes ever. Have you ever considered transitioning over to fighting? I get this question a lot because like, you're right. It's literally, it's such a natural transition. And basically the best UFC fighters have a wrestling background. It's, it's easily hands down the best kind of like fighting base you can have, but not for me. I do not like the idea of getting punched in the face. So that's <laughs> something like I can be thrown like over my head, like five points, <laughs> feet to back. You are lifted up in the air and returned not safely, very hard. That's fine. But that's as far as I think I'll ever go. I, yeah, no, MMA is not for me. You got to be kind of a special person to do that. And <laughs> yeah. I always say like the face is the moneymaker. I'm not trying to sacrifice <laughs> this. So no. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. The, uh, the MMA athletes are a little bit of a different breed to do what they yeah. do. They've got to have a little craziness to them. So all of them, th- this is the reason why I like working on the sport is because they're all characters and yes. you have to have a certain amount of something within you to be able to do what they're doing every weekend and, and every day. So uh, major props to them, major props to UAP out here, inspiring people, making a difference, growing into who you are, becoming a better person every day. Thank you for joining me today. It's been awesome catching up with you. And I look forward to uh, seeing you doing something Marvel related. In yeah. the <laughs> well, thank you so much, Troy. This was awesome. I really enjoyed it. AP, Alexis Porter, got to uh, give it up to her. Thank you so much for joining me and for opening up and for being honest and for sharing some things that are really helpful to hopefully a lot of you out there, certainly helpful to me in terms of navigating my own life and making big decisions. Uh, First off, I mean, I loved hearing about her experiences as a woman in a male-dominated sport and how I I love this at Wyoming that she was accepted. I absolutely love that, and it's great that an open mind was had to allow her in. Um, she had mentioned that she really grew up in college, that she discovered who she was, and I meant everything I said there when I feel like college is really the time where I didn't learn so much in the classroom. I was a U.S. history major, journalism minor, was there for three years. I really can't tell you much that I learned from, from the classroom. It was everything that I just learned about being a member of society, how to live in, in an adult world. In high school and before that, you were protected you are in a bubble. You are in your parents' bubble, your coaches' bubbles. The schools protect you, at least they should. 
And it's not really until college where you're still kind of protected, but you're also, you've got one foot in, one foot out the door the whole time. And you start being exposed to the injustices of the world and different viewpoints and different ways of life, different from the ones that you have known all your life. That certainly happened with me. And it certainly happened with Alexis there. And she was able to lean into her identity more. And I'm so proud of her for that, that she was able to discover who she really was and who she wanted to be because, you know, coming where we come from in Clifton Park, she really couldn't do that. So AP, super excited that um, you were able to do that and that you were able to educate us. And I just got to say that story that she told about being in Chicago, window rolled down and to have that screamed at her. Um, that hurts, man. And that, that hurts me and, and it didn't even happen to me. And it's not like me and Alexis are best friends or anything, but when she said it, it just, you could see the, the look on my face, just the look of disgust. What are you doing, man? Love people, man. This is what I, I don't get, you know? And this is, this is reaction I had when the George Floyd video, just like awe, wonder, what brings a person to do that? to another person how can you just how can you both be citizens of the same world of the same country and treat people like that how can you open your mouth and say something like that to another human being i will never understand that type of hatred that type of vitriol being thrown around that type of ignorance not being educated about what she's wearing i don't get that i i hate that it breaks my heart the last year, you know, showed me a lot of things. It taught me a lot of things. Cause like I said, you know, I come from a white middle-class place, just didn't know about a lot of these experiences. I, I would have told you a year and change ago, if you had called me privileged, I would have said, what? No, I'm not privileged. I've had to work for everything that I've been given. But over the last year, I learned through conversations and through education and through reading and through trying to put myself in other shoes, not, not actually being able to, but trying to, trying to see from other people's perspective, I am privileged. I'm absolutely privileged, and so many of you out there are, and we need to recognize that to know what we've been given and how we just have inherent advantages over other people that we never had to think about before, and that is something that has been super illuminating to me over the last year and experiences that Alexis has had has just illuminated um, even more in me just how much more work we still have to do because there are still people out there who want to treat people that way. And I just kind of feel, just be a good person. We're all equal. Who cares what we look like? Who cares where we come from? We are all citizens. We all have DNA. We are all citizens of, of the planet Earth. Let's take care of the planet. Let's take care of each other. And just love. Love solves all things. It solves all problems. I'm not better than you. You are not better than me. Let's coexist together peacefully, happily. And I'm so glad that um, Alexis is taking an active role and trying to change the world. I hope all of you are able to do so as well. Uh, also, so much respect for her to make the hard decision that she had to um, to end her wrestling career and give up that Olympic dream, that dream that she had, had her eyes set on for so long that I'm sure when she was a little girl and watching the 08 Olympics and through the 2012 Olympics and the 16 Olympics just said, I want to get there, I want to be there, and she put everything, every decision she made was guided by that dream, that goal that she had always had, that her family had always had for her. And to give that all up is tough. Um, but major props to UAP for coming to the realization that 
you just couldn't do it anymore, that you needed to do what's best for you, that your mental health and self-care were more important at this point in your life than trying to make it to the Olympics. And that is a hard realization to come to, but it takes a lot of self-awareness, bravery, and courage. And I respect you, AP. So for any of you out there who are doing something because other people expect you to, because your parents want you to, your grandparents want you to, because your school, your boss, your friends expect you to do something. Like I said earlier this week, sometimes you have to let people down in order to be happy. So Alexis, with that decision, probably let some people down. But you know what? It's making her happy. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters most. We all have to look out for ourselves. At the end of the day, all we truly have is ourselves. AP, shout out to you. Thank you for realizing that and uh, inspiring us all. A lot of you may have noticed that I didn't ask about her younger brother, Jesse Porter. Um, last month, you may have seen it in some headlines circulating around. So I didn't ask because it's a little confusing. But basically, the question that a lot of you are wondering, okay, is, is Jesse Porter... Alexis's younger brother, stud American wrestler. Okay, is he on the Olympic team or is he not? Is he going to Tokyo in summer 2021 or is he not? And so I asked Alexis before we recorded and it's a complicated answer. And basically the answer is he's the best wrestler in America at his weight class. He won the Olympic team trials, but he is still not in the Olympics yet. There's another step, another hurdle that he has to jump over to officially wear the red, white, and blue for us in Tokyo. So he's not there yet. He's on the cusp, but he's not there yet. So please join me in rooting Jesse Porter on making it to the Olympics. Uh, if you didn't know, every Friday, I post a blog over on the TroyFarkashow.com that kind of has a takeaway from my conversation on the Thursday podcast. So I do that every Friday. So, so feel free to go back in the archives to see some takeaways from the last few weeks. I will have a blog with a takeaway from this conversation that goes in a little further depth tomorrow morning on the show.com where all the blogs are. I promised you guys a blog yesterday for Wednesday, uh, but then because of my chaotic minds and things going back and forth in my mind all the time, I decided to let's delay that article that I promised about fun things to do in Denver. I'm going to push that to next week. It's done, but I'll push it to next week because I wanted to publish a video yesterday on YouTube, which I did. You can go check it out, the Troy Farkas YouTube channel. Talked about it with Alexis. Talked about it with Jasmine. Laid out the situation. I lay it out in greater detail on this video. Should I live in Denver, in Colorado, which I love, or the Northeast with the people I love? That is the main question I'm trying to answer. Of course, at the end of the day, it comes down to my heart and what I feel is right. But I want to seek input from as many people as possible. And I trust the podcast community here, the people that are listening to the show every Monday and Thursday. I trust you guys. I want to listen to what you have to say. So DM me at the Troy Farkas show or at Troy Farkas on Instagram, leave a review on Apple podcast, comment on the website on the contact us page, whatever, however it is you can get in touch. Let me know what you think. What would you do if you were me? I want to hear from you. And I, uh, I appreciate your input and I appreciate you guys for supporting the show and for supporting me. I'm really proud of the little community that we're building here. Um, I am so excited that people are listening to this show. You know, I'm seeing good data on, on all the various platforms, which is so cool to see. I never would have thought that when I first launched this in September that people would be listening, that people would be 
caring about my life and the people that I'm talking to and caring about their lives. It is so cool to see. So, so thank you for everything. And I do hope you continue tuning in each and every week, but that's enough for me today. I hope you all, I say it every week, but I truly mean it from the bottom of my heart. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend that you get outside, that you hang out with some friends, that you go golfing, that you get some ice cream, that you go rollerblading, biking, hiking, that you spend some time with your friends and family away from your screens, that you call up a friend, call up a grandparent, do a Zoom, whatever it is that you can do if you're vaccinated or not. Just be safe, be smart, do something you love, and uh, take some time for yourself, okay? Do some introspection, journal, read, write, just slow down. Life goes by fast. Sometimes you just need to slow down. That's my advice for you this weekend. Have a great weekend, y'all, and I'll talk to you again on Monday.